0: Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So I'm working on my sixth book, and I'm working on a chapter about infidelity the book is about breakups so it's uh tentatively titled break through your breakup Uh, not my favorite title by the way i wanted you dodged a bullet but um the publishers had a problem with the word bullet which i totally understand so uh right as of now break through your breakup it's a little it's a little cutesy right it's a little um daytime tv kind of anyway uh i'm writing a chapter about infidelity and um client stories. And a client in my book, um, she believes she's unlovable. And I wanted to do this episode about why people believe they are unlovable. It's a very common false belief. And, you know, of course, there's no like, color by number way. It's not like if x y and z happens then this is what you believe um you know it's like when, when two people go say to war and they both experience trauma one person may come back uh, with ptsd and the other person may not right so um this is not like a surefire recipe for believing that you are unlovable as you become a, a, an adult um but they're just kind of broad strokes and so- something to think about Um, Because I believe um, so many, I mean, I've ran into so many um, clients who believe that they are unlovable. And a lot of times when you're in a relationship and you, you get cheated on, I mean, yes, of course, there's betrayal and hurt and, you know, anger and you can get blindsided, right? But I think why cheating can... Like, if you're cheated on, why it can be so much harder is not so much what's on the surface of what happened, but what's running underneath. And a lot of people who um, believe they're unlovable and they get cheated on, they internalize the cheating. Meaning they wonder if they're defective or salvage. Like, what is wrong with me, you know? And a lot of times, cheating isn't even about the person um, they cheated on. It's about the cheater and what uh, what they're going through. And so cheating is complicated, of course, and, you know, lots of layers. But if you've been cheated on and it was just, you know, if it chopped you at the knees... Um, there might have been something happening underneath, meaning if you have internalized the cheating and you believe, okay, there's something wrong with me. I'm not a good partner or I'm defective or I'm not lovable because anyone who believes that they're not lovable, they're going to do everything they can to, to, to prove you know, themselves and other people wrong, right? And so then they can uh, hold on to the relationship. They can have a hard time letting go, uh, you know, all these things. And so – How does one come to the belief that they're not lovable? Well, uh, childhood experiences play a significant role in shaping our beliefs. And um, to develop a belief that one is unlovable, several factors can come into play. And that's what I want to get into. Number one, this one's kind of obvious, neglect or abuse. Experiencing emotional, physical, or verbal abuse or neglect can lead to feelings of unworthiness and being unlovable and I mean most of my clients have experienced neglect or abuse and you know like with me I grew up uh, in the 80s where uh, we would just go out to play and we wouldn't come home until the street lights came on and we had no supervision and we drank out of hoses and we did stupid shit I mean I don't think I should be alive right Um And there was (laughs) – my parents were never home. There was no supervision. Um, My parents just trusted America, (laughs) you know, and they just worked their asses off. And I get it. Like, they didn't speak the language. They came here with no money. And so since they were always gone, um, I was just kind of left – my brother and I were left to our own devices. Devices? Is that right? Anyway, um, left to our own vices or devices? Listen, I have ADD. English is my second. Language. Okay, never mind. So I was. Neg- I, I. I think I experienced neglect. You know, has that contributed to me believing I'm unlovable? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I believe that, but it definitely has affected me in some way. Okay, number two, lack of emotional support. I call this emotional milk, and um, I definitely grew up without it. Uh, And this is because my parents, I mean, they're old school Korean, you know, they don't, uh... my dad said, I love you a lot, but I think he said it more for him than me. Uh, He was an alcoholic and he was kind of a happy, a happy drunk. And uh, he said, I love you a lot. And I think it was more to lower his anxiety (laughs) than, I mean, I know he loved me, but he kind of threw... He he said, I love you too much, right? My mom, on the other hand, uh, never said it. She uh, just isn't like that kind of lovey-dovey, emotional. She's, you know, hard and logical. And um, grew up, you know, with an alcoholic. She's an adult child of an alcoholic. And uh, the oldest in sibling position. So she's just, just a hard, you know, Korean lady, right? And so I didn't get a lot of emotional uh, milk, as I, as I call it. I didn't get uh, a lot of words of uh, affirmation, praise. Uh, I, I didn't get a lot of spaces created for me to express my feelings, um, you know, or parents telling me that uh, I am good, not because of what I can do, but because of who I am. You know that kind of stuff, so growing up in an environment where emotional needs are consistently unmet or dismissed can lead to a belief that what is unlovable or undeserving of love. Now, I don't feel like uh, because I know people who um, I mean, I mean they're, they're, as a kid, their characters were assassinated, and they were called, you know, you idiot and piece of shit," and all these names growing up by their parents. Or, or step-parents. And um, I didn't have that kind of childhood. But uh, I definitely didn't have a lot of emotional support. Another factor can be inconsistent love. Rece- receiving love and affection only intermittently can create confusion and feelings of insecurity about being lovable. Hey, I wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com Forward slash premium, you not only get commercial free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. And when, when the inconsistent love happens, it almost, I mean, especially as a child, it kind of trains you to lose self because you're seeking consistency and the inconsistency is confusing. So you're going to do everything you can to get consistent, right? To get consistent love. Conditional love. Um, when love and approval are given only when certain conditions are met. Right, like if you only get love because you got straight A's or you, you d- did something good, a child may internalize the belief that uh, they're only lovable under specific circumstances. This, this is where I think a lot of children grow up to be overachievers because um, they put a lot more weight on performance. Because when they perform, whatever that is, whether it's grades or you know athletic ability or whatever, uh, they get more love. And so they start to become trained. And then when they become adults, they're, you know, just, just high achievers. And a lot of high achievers, a lot of athletes, a lot of people who run Fortune 500 companies, um, they excel at what they do, but um, they don't necessarily have a good relationship with self. They don't necessarily have high uh, self-esteem, you know. All right, number five, parental relationships. This is really interesting. So observing unhealthy or dysfunctional relationships between parents or caregivers can impact the child's understanding of love and, and their uh, self-worth. I mean, I know very few people who have um, parents who are like – I mean, I mean, no relationship is perfect, but uh, healthy. <laughs> Growing up, their parents were really healthy. Toward each other. Um, most people I knew, I know, their parents uh, are either separated or, you know, lots of toxic fights and arguments and just lots of chaos in the house. and uh, or, or maybe, and I think this is worse, lots of uh, eggshells, lots of, lots of people not talking. Um, to me, that kind of tension is worse than just, you know, people yelling and, uh, and, and fighting outwardly. It's the inwardly quiet, weird heaviness that lingers at home like a dark cloud. Uh, This is what prevents kids from wanting to come home, you know? (laughs) And I think that kind of space, that kind of environment created by parents who aren't willing to work on their own relationship directly, of course, impacts their child. I also think that if – because a lot of parents – stay together for their kid or children. And I think um it's actually more damaging if, you know, if they're not working on their relationship, but they're just kind of white knuckling their relationship and they're in something that isn't honest to them. Because kids can smell it, kids can you know, they can feel it. They they're like sponges. And so I think it's better they just separate. Like if it's not working and they've tried, um, it's better for the child, for the parent to be happy for the parents to um, be a, be a part in the relationship might, might then expire or the marriage um, but the parents are, are, are genuinely happier which means they're gonna be better parents and yes it, it's tough because it's transitional you know as far as like the, the kid going back and forth from mom to dad and shared custody and I, I know all of that is um, can be overwhelming and, and all that also there's uh, financial aspects right? Um, one person may be the breadwinner and the other person isn't. So then, if you separate, like the, the complications of that, the insecurity of that, I get it. It's 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 difficult. It's hard, right? Um, but I think it's better for the kids if the parents are happier. If the parents have done all they could in their relationship, realize it's it's just you know it's died or it's not it's not fixable. Then um, instead of staying in it for the kids. For them to go and and, um, find their happy, find their joy, you know. And and also as a kid grows up, I mean, think about it. If your parents separated or got a divorce uh, but became happier people because of it, I mean, wouldn't you grow up and look back and respect your parents for that instead of parents who stayed in it for the kids and they were just miserable? I mean, then you look back and you just kind of feel sorry for them, you know. Comparisons and criticism. Constantly being compared to others or subjected to harsh criticism can lead to uh, negative self perception. And finally, rejection or abandonment. Experiencing rejection or abandonment, um, such as through a parental divorce or a loss of a caregiver. Can reinforce feelings of being unlovable. Now, I said that if I know I said that if parents um, can't work out their relationship, they should, you know, separate or divorce or whatever. And here I'm saying that um, an example of experiencing rejection or abandonment can be through a divorce, but um, it doesn't have to be, right? I mean, divorces don't have to. Be chaotic and uh, divorces don't have to include rejection or uh, children feeling abandoned. Um, divorces can be healthy and smooth, uh, but there needs to be communication. There needs to be, you know, a mediator, and and, and two people have to be on the same page. Um, and I know this is possible. I have friends who have amazing have had ma- amazing divorces, and they actually um, co parent and love each other. More so after getting the divorce than when they were married. So it is possible. Anyway, so to bring it back to you, as I was going through this list, um, does anything come up for you? What kind of upbringing did you have? And it doesn't mean that uh, if you were nodding yes to these things that you have now for sure... Growing up with a false belief that you're unlovable. I mean, th- this is just me just giving broad strokes and hopefully getting you to kind of reflect and think about how your childhood um, has impacted your belief about yourself and if you're if you believe that you're lovable or not. Now, of course, your relationships that you get into as you grow up if those are toxic and crazy and chaotic and abusive, you know, of course those are also going to um, impact one's belief if they are lovable or not. So just things to think about, things to process, things to consider. I mean, when I think of, when I listen um, or when I look at my own story and I think about this list, um, I have, you know, I haven't had like physical abuse. I haven't had verbal abuse. Um, my, my, my I I don't even know if the word's abuse, but my childhood where I think um parts of it weren't healthy as far as my relationship with parents is more um lacking emotional milk and uh not having the kind of uh my parents not having the capacity to, you know, have conversations and about feelings and um my parents weren't really vulnerable, you know. So I don't know what that did to me I mean as I think about it I think definitely a lot of my anxious attachment a lot of my seeking validation and um, approval and sex and affection and all of that um, definitely I think has come from my, my childhood in that uh What I didn't have then, I am now seeking, if that makes sense, as an adult, right? And so it could come out differently, of course, but uh, the engine, the drive um, to seek love, it definitely, I think it definitely carries over, you know, from childhood, right? Because, like, when you're a child, you're not seeking sex, Um, but as an adult, you might. And that come, but it may be coming from the same place as when you're a child because you didn't have um, that emotional milk or those kind of spaces to um, feel unconditional love. Anyway, thank you for listening. And a quick reminder speaking of um, love and relationships, couples, my partner and I are doing a retreat as our second couples retreat. It's a weekend in Idlewild um all the details are in my bio link on my instagram we're doing it in september so uh come check it out it's gonna be part processing and we're capping it at like 11 couples so it'll be intimate part processing and part um somatic so we're gonna have some fun we're gonna uh, do our best to help you and your uh, partner and then also it's you know community-based and home-cooked meals and ice plunges and guided walks and stuff like that. So uh, if you want to check it out, just go to my Instagram, at The Angry Therapist, and tap my bio, and you'll see all the details. Thank you for listening.